tales of hauntings, murder, and scary mysteries. Every week, Twisted Twos dives into a pair of uniquely terrifying true stories that are worthy of a more in-depth look. This week, we focus on a decades-old cold case that is truly psychotic and a terrifying kidnapping tale of a young woman who somehow managed to survive. Get ready for Scary Mysteries Twisted Twos. Number 1. The Alphabet Murders For over three decades, the alphabet murders have puzzled officials and investigators. But now, a new suspect emerges, and he's a man that wasn't on anyone's radar during the height of the crime. But what are the alphabet murders? There are two main series of crimes dubbed with the moniker, one near Rochester, New York, and another in Los Angeles, California. The murders were labeled as such because each of the girls' first and last names started with the same letter. In the Rochester case, it was even more sinister because all the victims were under the age of 10. They were abducted, raped, and strangled, and not only were the initials of the first and last names the same, they were also dumped in a town that started with the same initial, too. Carmen Collon was abducted on November 16, 1971, and found dead two days later in a town called Churchville. Wanda Walkowitz was abducted on April 2, 1972, and found dead the next day in the town of Webster. Michelle Manzo was abducted on November 26, 1973, and she was found dead two days later in the town of Macedon. In the Los Angeles case, a different set of victim profiles emerged. All of these women were much older and known prostitutes. However, they all shared similar physical characteristics and were all strangled and raped. Roxine Rogish was 18, she was found dead in 1977, wearing only tights on her legs. Her feet were bound and another pair of stockings were found on her neck. Carmen Collom was 22, a different person from that of the Rochester case, but eerily they share the exact same name. Her body was found in 1977 as well, naked and strangled. Pamela Parsons, 38 years old, lived in Yuba City and worked as a waitress by day. And Tracy Tafoya, who was 31, was found dead right beside Highway 70, close to Marysville Cemetery. Investigators are still piecing together evidence to find if the two cases are related. Are they the work of the same individual? Is it a copycat killer? Or just a strange coincidence? These are all questions that are still on the table. During the investigations, plenty of suspects showed up in both cases. In Rochester, the suspects included one of the victim's uncles, a fireman who was caught for an unrelated rape and then committed suicide. He was eventually cleared via DNA, though, in 2007. Another suspect is one half of the Hillside Strangler duo. Kenneth Bianchi was considered a suspect because he worked in Rochester at the time, and his ice cream truck was spotted in the area where the two girls went missing. You can find out more about Kenneth and his cousin Angelo, in a previous Twisted Twos episode. In California, the deaths remained as cold cases until a timely probation check was conducted on an elderly gentleman named Joseph Nasso. Joe worked as a photographer for much of his life, traveling around New York, California, and Florida for the most part. A police officer dropped by his home to search for anything forbidden like alcohol, drugs, and weapons as part of his probation for theft. While rifling through his things, they found bullets, 
which were enough to have him arrested, and then they found a whole lot more. In his house were 4,000 plus pictures of naked women. Some of them looked odd as they posed with heels or stockings, and there were some that looked unnatural as if they were photographed dead. One of the officers found an aluminum clipboard and leafed through the pages, and to his shock, it was a written diary detailing crimes he had committed. These are dubbed as the rape journals. Inside these journals, they included entries like Kansas City Girl, Great Legs and Nylons, Heels, Had to Rape Her in My Car on a Cold Winter Night Snowstorm. A list of ten was also found which mentioned nine locations in California and one in Florida. Although no names were written, police were able to tie Nassau to the death of Roxine Rogish. The stockings used to kill her contained DNA from Nassau's wife. There was also his semen found on another pair of stockings discovered near her body. DNA scrapings from underneath Colon's fingernails were matched to Nassau as well. Plus photos of the other two victims, Parsons and Tafoya, were found in a safety deposit box also belonging to Nassau. While his DNA doesn't match in the Rochester killings, police believe Nassau is responsible for many more murders. He was tried and found guilty for his crimes in California and was sentenced to death in 2013 and remains incarcerated to this day. Number 2. The Girl in the Box The story of Colleen Stan is almost so unbelievable that even today many still wonder how she survived the ordeal. Colleen was only 20 years old in 1977 when she decided to attend a friend's birthday party in Northern California. She was living in Eugene, Oregon and would have to travel. An experienced hitchhiker, she let two cars pass before deciding to take a ride from Cameron and Janice Hooker. Colleen felt confident while climbing into the van because Cameron's wife was there along with their newborn. On the way, they stopped at the gas station where Colleen used the bathroom. Deep down, a small voice told her to run away, but she ignored her intuition and climbed back into the vehicle. The moment they found themselves on an isolated stretch, Cameron pulled over and put a knife to the young girl's throat. He then proceeded to lock her head in a wooden box he had created, which was designed to cut off light, sound, and even fresh air from entering. Apparently, the husband and wife had an agreement prior to the abduction. Cameron could abduct a sex slave which he would keep at home and act out his fetish for sexual bondage on. Up until then, it was Janice that had to endure this, and she couldn't take it any longer. That first night she was taken, Colleen was strung up by her hands and physically attacked by Cameron. She was also forced to sign a contract stating she was going to become Cameron's slave. Furthermore, he told her he was part of The Company, which was a large organization that would hunt and kill her family if she ever tried to escape. When she was first abducted, she was put down in the basement before she was placed inside their bedroom. Cameron created a coffin-sized box that was double-walled and had enough room for one person to lie down in. A small fan was built into it to give her air, but inside it was completely pitch black. Colleen would spend 22 to 23 hours every single day inside that box under the couple's bed, only to be let out if she was going to be raped, hit, or tortured. Her beatings would sometimes be interrupted by unusual acts of kindness from her captors, they once made her a birthday cake, but every day Cameron would slowly brainwash her and reinforce the existence of the company, 
along with what they would do if she left. Slowly, Colleen was given freedom to work in the yard, care for Cameron and Janice's two children, and even jog alone. After three and a half years, she was even allowed to go home to her family unsupervised. She spent the day with them, but didn't tell of her situation for fear of retaliation from the company. The next day, Cameron picked her up where she introduced him as her boyfriend. They were captured in a photograph, smiling together. Her family thought she was part of some sort of cult and did not press on her coming home for fear she would disappear forever. After realizing he had given Colleen too much freedom, Cameron placed her inside the wooden box again. She was back into the cycle where she would stay there for 23 hours a day, and she would do this for the following three years, surviving on scraps of food. Six years had passed since she was first taken, and by 1983, Colleen was once again allowed to mingle with other people. During this time, Cameron wanted Colleen to be his second wife, which changed their situation forever. All this time, Janice treated Colleen indifferently, but now she started opening up to her. She shared that she was also brainwashed and had been tortured by Cameron since their first date. To survive her own ordeal, she denied everything and compartmentalized. The two also began Bible studies and eventually Janice admitted Cameron was not part of the company, but insisted the group did exist. Then in 1984, Janice told Colleen they needed to leave Cameron, and so that's what they did. Three months later, Janice testified against him, informing authorities he had abducted, tortured, and killed Mary Elizabeth Spanhack, who went missing in 1976. Without a body and physical proof, however, no charges were brought forward. Regardless, Cameron was found guilty of kidnapping and sentenced to 104 years in prison. He was up for parole last year but was denied. Janice was never prosecuted for her role because she testified against her husband and helped Colleen escape. Colleen eventually moved on and rebuilt her life. Beyond being a strong advocate for abused women, she received a degree in accounting, got married, and has two children of her own. So there were two of the most unbelievable stories around. The world can be a crazy place, and Twisted Twos is sure to show you why. If you enjoyed this video, then please remember to subscribe to our channel. We have many new scary mysteries coming out every single week that we're sure you'll enjoy. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next week.